Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Chicago is Sandra Joe. Sandra is Senior Compliance Analyst at North Shore University Health System, and today we're going to be talking about the No Surprise Act. First, Sandra, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you, Adam. So, Sandra, in a nutshell, what is the No Surprise Act and what are surprise medical bills, uh, aside from obviously being a surprise? Sure. Um, Basically, the No Surprise Act, uh, the NSA, basically Congress had passed this as part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act in 2021. What it does, basically, it established um, new federal uh, protections against surprise medical bills that will take effect January 1st, 2022. It's designed to protect patients from surprise bills for, say, emergency services at your out-of-network facilities or out-of-network providers at in-network facilities, holding them liable only for the in-network cost-sharing amounts. In addition, this No Surprise Act, what it also does, it enables the uninsured patients and also self-pay patients to receive a good faith estimate of the cost of the care up front. Um, In addition, about that surprise medical bill, the surprise medical bill also poses a lot of financial uh, burdens on consumers. So the surprise medical bill, basically it arised when an insured consumer inadvertently receives some care from an out-of-network, say, hospital or doctor or provider that they just did not choose. When these health plans deny the out-of-network claim and and, or they apply like a higher out-of-network cost-sharing, consumers face this so-called balanced billing from out-of-the-network providers that maybe they had not contracted with to accept that discount payment rate from the health plan. And I think there's nothing worse than people finding that they've got bills that they didn't expect. And, you know, I read the stories online of people, you know, being under anesthesia and the doctor brings in somebody who's out of network. There's no way the patient could have known. So what are new protections if a consumer has health insurance specifically? Well, if you get health coverage, like through your employer or maybe uh, the health insurance marketplace, basically with this new law, it's going, these new rules, this is what will apply. It's going to ban that surprise bill for emergency services, even if you get them out of network and without the approval of beforehand like a a prior authorization. Second, it also bans the out-of-network cost sharing like out-of-network co-pays. And and in other words, you can't be charged more than the in-network cost sharing for these services. Three, it also bans the out-of-network charges and balance bills, say for uh, additional services such as radiology that was furnished by your out-of-network provider as part of the patient's visit to that in-network facility. And last, it does require now that healthcare providers and facilities, they have to ensure they they provide to you a notice 
explaining the um, applicable billing protections, and it has to be uh, easy to read and understandable. It also has to indicate to who you can contact if you have concerns about the provider or facility if they may have violated the protections. And third, the patient's consent now is required to waive billing, protect, billing protections. So in other words, you must receive some kind of notice of the consent to being balanced billed by a network provider. Wow, that's a big change. Now, that we've talked about what happens for people with insurance. What if a consumer does not have health insurance or, or choose to pay for care on their own without their health insurance? Um, and what is a consumer, what, or what if a consumer is charged more than the good faith estimate? Well, under this new law, healthcare providers, they have to give patients um, who may not have insurance, the, the uninsured, or those um, who have opted to not use their insurance, they have to receive like a good faith estimate, and a GFE. And in this good faith estimate, they have to provide the expected cost of any non-emergency item or service. This can also include um, your medical tests, uh, maybe some equipment, hospital fees, things like that. The provider also should have to uh, give the good faith estimate in writing at least one business day before your service or uh, item that you're, you're going to receive. And you also have to ask you can also ask that provider too um, and other providers that you choose for a good faith estimate before you even schedule that service. Now, after the service that you've received, and obviously you'll receive a bill, um, when you receive that bill, if it's um, at least $400 or more than what the good faith estimate that you had received, you now have the ability to dispute that bill. And please make sure you save a copy of that you know, estimate um, because that will show proof this is what the bill was. So for example, if the estimate said it was going to be $1,000, but when the bill arrives and it's 2,000, obviously you have the ability um, starting in 2022, you now can dispute this medical bill uh, because it's greater than $400. And in addition to that, once you receive that bill, you have approximately 120 days from that date on your bill to dispute that claim. Hmm. Now, I understand, I think some states have their own equivalent. What if a consumer's state has a surprise billing law? Oh, yeah. Basically, the No Surprise Act um, supplements the state surprise billing laws. In other words, it just doesn't it doesn't supersede them. So this No Surprise Act, what it does, it creates like a floor for consumer protection against surprise bills, especially from the out-of-network providers and related higher cost sharing responsibility for patients. Now, as long as the state surprise billing law provides at least the same level of consumer protection against surprise bills and higher cost sharing, as the No Surprise Act, and it implements regulations, the state law generally will apply. So for example, say like your state, 
um, operates its own patient provider dispute resolution process that determines the appropriate payment rates for self-pay consumers. And Health and Human Services, HHS, has determined that the state's process meets and or exceeds the minimum requirements under the federal patient provider dispute resolution process, then HHS will step out and they'll defer to the state's process. Interesting, interesting. Now, given all these changes that were instituted earlier this year, um, obviously there's going to be controls that will need to be put in place to prevent problems. So what controls can the compliance team uh, create to ensure that the organization is not in violation of the act? Well, the compliance team, um, especially like in a healthcare facility or and provider setting, try to use a checklist. And if you have services that are subject to balance billing, try to have your staff familiarize with the submission and response requirements for the independent dispute resolution process. Um, in addition, I would believe compliance teams would also try to assist in creating um, some type of training for the employees who schedule these appointments to ensure that the staff, um, they understand that all uninsured and self-pay patients can be identified and that they are notified of their right to request this good faith estimate. And then you need to make sure you document. And then also um, during the training, document it. And then the, the employee understands that they've had this training. The other thing what can be done is to create a good faith estimate template or go on the website and use HHS. They have a model good faith estimate template. and the organization should begin providing it to all their uninsured and self-pay customers um, when requested at the time of the service or the item when it's being scheduled. Also, um, try to familiarize your employees on how to update good faith estimates, especially when the charges of that service, it changes. Because sometimes that will happen. It'll The price may go up, and it may, it may go down, but um, they need to be aware of that change. And once they are aware, they need to communicate that to um, the customer, the co consumer, and then document that as well. And then also, as mentioned, when you're training your staff, you need to document that you've trained the employees um, on, this, uh, on this modification. Another thing too, is that you have to be able to post in um, the providers or hospital setting um, to inform the uninsured and self-pay patients of what their rights are to a good faith estimate. And you should not only post it there on the site, but also on the organization's website as well. Um, and last but not least, um, compliance would, would obviously recommend to be aware of all these requirements and deadlines when you have a selected dispute resolution process, when patients will challenge this good faith estimate, because it will it will happen, and um, you just need to be prepared, and your staff needs to be prepared, and then obviously you document everything 
um, because down the road um, there could be potential audits of how um, you um, have provided this good faith estimate to the consumer and what is your process. Well, good advice so that the compliance team doesn't end up with any surprises of its own because of the No Surprise Act. Um, well, Sandra, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs>